This is episode 33 with Aurora Arito and Joan Lurie. Welcome back to the Future Intelligent Leadership Podcast. If you're interested in innovative wisdom and practical tools for leading in a complex, uncertain, and exponentially changing world, then this podcast is for you. Aloha and welcome to this episode of the Future Intelligent Leadership Podcast. This is your host, Tyler Mongan, co-founder of Haku Global. We're an organization dedicated to helping leadership navigate a complex, uncertain, and exponentially changing world, which is driven by an emerging tech future. So if you're interested in learning about Haku Global's future intelligent leadership training programs and how you can develop future intelligent leadership and scale that across your organization, then check us out at www.haku.global. Today's co-guests are Joan Lurie and Aurora Arito. Joan is the CEO of Organomics, a company helping leaders and organizations transform themselves and to function at their growing edge. Her work integrates strategy, systems thinking, complexity, social construction, and adult development theory. Joan works with boards, executives, and leadership teams to help them. Re- Joan works with boards, executives, and leadership teams to help them rewire their thinking to be more systemic and to design and lead complex, adaptive, and second-order change in their organizations. With 20 years in practice, she has helped companies achieve turnaround results, emerging new cultures, operating models and different organizational systems while simultaneously building their adaptive capacity. Aurora is founding principal at Thrive in Mind, which offers multidisciplinary approach to coaching influenced by research and organizational change, motivation, emotional resilience, collective intelligence, collaboration, and adaptive leadership. Aurora has had roles as founder, leadership consultant, executive team coach, and facilitator with extensive experience in tech product marketing, launching and growing award-winning productivity solutions globally for the world's largest tech telecom companies. Aurora's current interests lie in understanding transformation, organizational behavior, group dynamics, collaboration, and the interrelationship between personality, leadership style, culture, and decision-making. One thing you might immediately notice in this dialogue is that Joan and Aurora have very similar lines of thinking. In our podcast, we discuss the importance of leadership developing systemic intelligence, how the act of drawing out your role at work and the system you work in helps reveal your mental models, why leadership needs to understand both the functional roles and implicit roles within a team, why understanding networks and relationship patterns is just as important as self-awareness, how our inner world shapes the system of work, and how the system of work shapes our inner world, why leadership needs to create containers for emergence of new possibilities, and why big picture visions are not as useful as discovering the adjacent possibles. Let's listen. Aloha, Aurora and Joan. Thank you both for joining me today on this episode of the Future Intelligent Leadership Podcast. Really excited to have you here. And as always, we want to start with this key question of how can leadership be more intelligent about the future, given this environment of complexity, uncertainty, and exponential change? I'd like you both to answer it from your perspectives. And I'd like to start with Joan. Mm. 
Okay, thanks, Tana. Um, it's great to be part of this uh, dialogue. And um, I think if I think about uh, that question, my, the first thing that comes to mind for me is that leaders need to develop systemic intelligence. And systemic intelligence being that they are able to understand um, the world in a networked patterned way and that any um, place that they occupy or any context that they find themselves in, that they are in a system, um, that they have a role to play in that system, that they are taking up a role and that that system is nested in bigger and wider systems and wider contexts. And I think one of the most important things about that is that leaders don't um, see themselves as separate from, but always in deep connection to, either individually or in the organizations or systems in which they're in. And I think that really moves us out of intelligence being about content knowledge and expertise and or skills being in analytical thinking, which kind of you know, we are able to take something apart and dissect it and look for root cause and fix. But this kind of intelligence says that uh, we are able to think in interconnection, we are able to see pattern, we are able to think relationally and contextually and, and abductively. In other words, like I don't have to analyze and fix and find the answer, but I can think abductively, which means I can start with an assumption, a hypothesis, and I can move forward from there, not with rightness, but actually with testing my way and designing a way forward. Um, and so one of the things that comes with that intelligence, I think, is to be able to know from a kind of constructivist position that I hold a set of assumptions, they may not be 100% true or correct, and that they may need to be looked at um, or put out as object in order to kind of explore those, test for coherence with those, and maybe let go of them to some degree. Um, I think all of those sort of um, ways of thinking and being and making sense of the world um, come together in a kind of complex network in themselves of how leaders need to build this future intelligence. Thanks, Joan. And Aurora. First of all, Tyler, thank you for having me. And Joan, that was beautiful. Um, what comes up for me when I think about the future of leadership is this sort of C of leadership. It's an acronym that I've come up with. Um, SEA of leadership, um, systemic, empathic, and adaptive. And I do agree with Joan that, you know, a lot of the times we have to think of leadership first before we, we think of the leader. And I wonder often what people have in their minds in terms of a, a picture or an image um, when they think of a leader or a leadership. And that really is often very important for me to to inquire about, you know, what is the, the map in the mind um, of what leadership is and what a leader is. Um, but as I've worked with many executives and teams, I always end up with um, attributes um, that are kind of within these three areas. 
Systemic for me means being really hyper aware, um, adept at using sense making, connecting the dots, sort of looking at the bigger picture and having this expanded consciousness of the self, but as, as the self in the context of the system. Um, empathic for me is, is not new. It's just that for many, many years, we've, we've looked at care and compassion as almost like a side dish. And I really wish um, that in the future, this would be like the main dish for a leader to have. Um, adaptive for me means resilience, yes. Tackling challenges and, and thriving despite of challenges, yes. But also expanding our repertoire of leadership modes and mindsets and skill sets. And I can get into those a bit more. Great, thanks Aurora. Um, so, I mean, it really seems there's uh, definitely some commonality between your, your thinking on this topic. Um, I'd love Yay. for you both to expand a little bit more around this idea of uh, systemic and s systemic intelligence, because I know there's a lot of leaders out there uh, who might not be as well versed in like, even like systems thinking or what this idea of, of systemic even means. So can we expand on that a little bit, Joe? Yes, I think it's kind of, there's a lot of rich description to get into in terms of what, what we mean by that. And I think one of the things um, that's important is to understand, I think, or even begin with a distinction between what is systems thinking and what is systemic intelligence. Mm. Because I think systems thinking is a theoretical framework and a way of thinking about how the world works. Um, and I think systemic intelligence is an ability for leaders to be able to take that theory and live it through how they are taking up their roles or being of self in the context and the systems that they are in. Um, and I think that you know, often this distinction between systems thinking as a theoretical frame um, and a way of making sense is not sort of distinguished from someone's ability to have those neural pathways, because that can be something that we can describe that sits outside of us. Oh, this is a way of making sense of the world. You know, you can look at it through this lens as opposed to through a reductionist or a mechanistic lens. Um, but actually being able to integrate that and live that through the way that you are taking up your role or being in a system is what I would talk about is systemic intelligence. And um, they obviously are interconnected and not separate from each other, but I think they are distinctive things. And I often hear people be able to describe systems thinking and how it should be, um, but not yet able to have a way of kind of being with that in their own smartness or intelligence and mm. applying it in terms of how they live their life or how they lead um, in certain contexts. And I think if we look at it as um, systemic intelligence, I think it's an ability to always um, be seeing things in um, interconnection and in relational um, terms so that you're never looking at one part of the system and looking at where the problem resides. You're always kind of thinking and, and looking at the world through this idea that um, you always wanna look at the relational between because it's in the interaction and the relational between that actually the, the sense-making 
um, yield something different. And I think it is in learning to see pattern and operate from that patterning instinct, but relational patterning, not repetitive patterning. Mm. Um, relational patterning means I can see how one part of the system is in, um, in connection to and in relationship to another part. That's what I mean more by relational patterning. And so being able to actually do that in your daily um, practice and you have neural pathways, which are well laid down for that, um, is where I think we need to kind of grow the systemic intelligence, um, a, an ability to see pattern, to see and think in interrelational terms and to think in contextual ways that not to ever see behavior outside of context and outside of the relational patterning and what sits in connection to it. I think we've got a world of leadership theory and practice, which is diagnostic of the individual and looking at what makes us up and self-awareness has been kind of, I think, the main dish, if I can steal that beautiful idea, Aurora. But this, that, um, that kind of could be the, the side dish. And the main dish would be much more about me seeing self in role, in context, and seeing interrelationship. Um, and what makes me up is important, but not nearly as important as how the system and the context makes me and how I make it. Hmm. We're already yeah. all thoughts on that. Yeah, that's, that's really wonderful. I just want to pick up on this, this idea of role, because in a, of course, in a, in a system, there's a lot of richness there, but I, I often start with, a, with a self and, uh, the person and its relationship with the, with a role, and so um, in looking at that role as an as an object, let's say, um, you can have this investigation about what is the role in my mind as a leader, and what are the expectations of other roles around me in the system, um, what are their dependencies on on this role, and I like that process because. A lot of the times we go into groups and organizations with our own expectations and it's a bit like the iceberg, you know, we see the what's above the line in terms of expectations of our job descriptions right, but what we actually carry with us into the system are a bunch of other stuff, basic assumptions and values and feelings and emotions and relationship themes that we bring into the role. And a lot of the times it's, it's not really at a conscious level. So it's, it's great to have opportunities to look at the role and the role in the system and to use um, what I would call a psychodynamic approach in, in doing that inquiry um, as well, just to add to what Joan was talking about. Mm. And I, you know, I think we're very aligned on that, Aurora, because I think that there, um, and I love the idea that you were talking about that people, and I work with this idea, the map in the mind, the organization in the mind, and, you know, where I kind of see myself fitting in the system, that map, I find, is very often um, one of the key drivers, and I hate that word, but one of the key drivers of how we show up. Um, in organizations and in 
systems because we're carrying this construct or mental map or set of assumptions about how I need to take up the role and how my role connects and relates to other roles and how the whole system should function. And that map is often worn like a filter, right? Mm. It's unexplored, it's not object to the person, but it actually, the people are navigating the world through that map, like, um, you know, like a GPS system. And in fact, the more we can help people make that map object, I think Aurora is what you're saying, and see how that map coheres or connects with other maps in this kind of constructivist way, um, the more we can help systems kind of be in more coherence and in more alignment, or we can disrupt coherent patterns that have developed in systems over time mm -hmm. that have become unhelpful, right? Mm -hmm. um, but we first need to make those maps, those role maps and those role relational maps um, visible. Um, and I think as you're saying, Aurora, sometimes they're unconscious. I think sometimes they're unconscious, but at other times, I would sort of say they're assumptive rather than unconscious. And um, they, those assumptive kind of, um, or those assumptions need to be made visible. Um, so we don't often need to go into the deep unconscious work in order to kind of surface these assumptive patternings, right? And mm -hmm. just to follow up on Absolutely. that, uh, Joan, is it, and, and also Aurora, is, is the idea it seems like you're talking about is, you know, we, we go into a job and we think that our job is role X, you know, I'm the um, whatever uh, accountant, just the accountant in the company here. That's my role. And so I'm thinking in terms of like my function, right? But what I'm not always seeing is maybe the emotional connections that I have within the organization that I'm bringing into the organization. Uh, also the hierarchical understandings that I'm bringing in, the cultural understandings I have. Um, and those, and I have to understand it's not just my role that's affecting the entire system as like function, just my function, but my role within the context of all these other things too. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. From my perspective. Yes. Or I don't know if you want to pick that up, yeah. but, um, absolutely right. And, and I agree with Joan as well earlier that you don't have to sit on a couch with a psychoanalyst to, mm. to do all, all of this work, right. but to just somehow unearth a little bit of what's underlying, what's under the surface. Mm. Because sometimes when we face leadership challenges, when we're overwhelmed because of the complexity, when we're losing grasp of um, key relationships and we don't understand anymore the expectations of our stakeholders, Yes, there may be some obvious reasons why. Um, it could be structural, uh, it could be lack of skill, it could be lack of confidence, but at the same time, we also need to consider some of our own stuff that we bring into that role that perhaps needs to be looked at as well. And that's why I wanted to stress earlier what I said about the the image. And I think Joan uses map, I use the word image. What is the image in the mind that orients leadership in certain companies. And, and that image, does that work? Um, how does that manifest? Because sometimes we may verbally say, well, we are compassionate. Mm. Okay, sure. But in your mind, what is your image of leadership in the context of your organization? And it may still be that old um, dogmatic sort of authoritative type of 
leadership that is still in the, in the mind and we are just not aware of it. That still fuels and drives the behavior of a leader. Yeah. And I, I think building on that, one of the things that I think we could add to that is both we kind of bring old maps or old assumptions around what the role of leader is and how it should be taken up most effectively. And at the same time, the system is defining that. And it's mm -hmm. in that kind of dance, but in the relational dance between how it's being defined in the system, the expectation of the leader and how you are defining it in your mind and where those kind of meet or don't um, is often where there's noise in, in organizations, right? Because mm -hmm. there is incoherence in that. So you want to do the exploration of how it sits from your image from your perspective and what assumptions are you running but you want to see how that connects in a systemic sense again in the relational because actually it's not just what it is that you are bringing from inside you it is how that connects or doesn't in relationship to how it's being defined by others in the organizational mm -hmm. system and how their role expectation sits of you i think i want to add one other kind of very important um distinction as well, which is people will come with maps of what the formal role is or what the job role is, right? But often what is also going on is that you get to play systemic roles, um, which are often not formally contracted for, but implicitly contracted for. So what do I mean by that? I'll give you an example. You know, I was talking to someone said my formal role is to develop the, and execute the strategy of X in the company. And um, I know how to do that because I've done that for many years in other companies. I'm technically expert at that. I have huge experience around that. What that means inside this company and in this context is that I am the disruptor because this uh, form of doing work and this strategy that I have to execute is actually counter to a lot of what this company has done in the past. Hmm. So I don't only have a formal job role that has to bring my technical expertise, but the map that that person is running as well is I have been given a systemic role um, to disrupt the old patterning of the ways of doing things in the organization. Now, is that in the job description? No. Is that in the implicit messaging and contracting from parts of the system that that is the role that you have to take up? Probably. Or is he just constructing that in his mind that he has to be the disruptor, but he hasn't contracted with other parts of the system explicitly to play that role? Mm. And so you want to look at what the person is bringing in their own construct, both formal role and informal, and how that's sitting in relation to how other people see the formal role, but also the systemic role. Hmm. Aurora, Aurora, do you have any follow-up on that? Yes, it's beautiful. Uh, what's coming up for me is how that extends, unfortunately, sometimes into the culture as well, yeah. right? So we, again, I see, I'm seeing this iceberg in my head. Culture is also, it has this thing that's above the, the waterline, you know, artifacts, mm -hmm. um, you know, our mission and vision that's all plastered on the wall, right? Um, but underneath the surface, again, we see what really is the kind of the, you know, when you walk into a, an, an organization, you can smell the place. Um, 
that's something that is not so tangible, but it's so powerful in the way that, you know, decisions are made, um, problems are solved in a, in a collective. And so um, I'm also fascinated about what you've just described, Joan, and how that affects the culture from above the line and, and below the line, because a lot of the times um, it's unexplainable these sort of dynamics. And that's why there, there has to be a process of making the, the an invisible visible somehow. And in, in my work, um, I enjoy this part of my work where we actually even go to the extent of drawing. Mm -hmm. So we ask people to, to draw self-portraits of their role. Um, we ask them to draw their role history, um, and their role biography. Because yes. often when you ask questions directly, people really struggle to talk about this. Mm -hmm. And yeah. yet when you give them the space, the safe space to express it in a different way through a drawing or through an image, um, you might get more insights that way. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I'm working with drawing all the time because it is in the drawing that the discovery happens, that you kind of create the context and the space for the system to become visible. And um, it's in the exploration of the drawing that the system gets to be unearthed and discovered. And, you know, I, I completely agree with you, Aurora, that unless we can help organizations discover the system, make those implicit contracts between roles mm -hmm. visible, um, then we, can't help them move beyond those stuck patterns, right? Mm. So um, I think one of the important things is what artifacts do we use? What processes do we use both to help the system become visible to itself and to discover mm. itself? Um, and that includes how the system is constructing itself, uh, not like it's something that sits outside of them. They are continuously constructing it for themselves and how to help them discover that. That's building systemic intelligence because as mm. you do that work in an organization, the neural pathways get opened up for understanding self in system, how I construct my world and how you know, the relational patterning is, is, do, is, is sort of emerging from these co-constructed kind of views. And so I, I love this um, idea of, and I do use it all the time as well, role drawings, role descriptions, but also map, um, you know, the drawing the, your mental map, putting it out as a picture. Mm. Um, and these are either drawn from people's minds as networked kind of pictures or they're drawn as metaphorical pictures, but they become the starting point for the system to be discovered mm. and for individuals to discover that one, they hold a construct, which they didn't know before. Um, they can learn to see what that construct is and they can learn to see how their construct sits in relation to other constructs. Right? Um, and so through all this sort of layering, you enable the system to come visible to itself. Um, and that's so different from being a consultant working with an organization coming in to diagnose you and tell you what's faulty or what's broken or what you need to fix. Right? Mm -hmm. um, so, so much of that is lies in the self-discovery and creating the context and the space for you to discover yourself in system and to discover the system you're in. Yeah. That's great. And I want, uh, I want to just kind of nudge this 
conversation now a little bit towards uh, future focus. Like, you know, as we're talking about uh, this idea of, you know, relation, relational patterns and systems, uh, systemic intelligence um, and roles and making the invisible visible, um, you know, how does this relate to uh, the future? I, I mean, I can see, you know, for myself, just seeing how this, this idea places, um, we're kind of exposing a lot of constraints, right? If you have a system that's in, in a certain pattern, it's going to constrain uh, what is possible in the future, right? Um, and so you might want to get, have a vision, you might want to get there, but the system won't allow you to get there, right? And this will help to reveal um, maybe where those bugs could be, right? But what are some of your thoughts on this idea? Um, Aurora? Yeah, so it, it brings me back to my, my comment around adaptive leadership. And, and I like the way that Minsky um, uh, describes adaptive leadership in, in a way that um, DNA work, you know, when we um, as a species need to survive, we do three things. We discard DNA that's no longer working for us. We move forward with the ones that are supporting the thriving of our species. And sometimes we rearrange um, to make this possible. And for me, I see organizations and, and leadership um, needing to have this kind of mindset of moving forward with the best um, from its history and rearranging a little bit, taking into account that rearranging is painful. We're, we're dealing with humans. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, having this, this sort of... Um, eye on thriving. Um, and just a little side note on change, because what we're talking about here is transforming and changing. Um, you know, we do need to understand that humans by nature, we will have, as we've mentioned before, some underlying needs that we, we will continue to still protect despite the change. So when you see or hear people um, kind of resist change, it's not because they don't believe in the change. It's oftentimes it's because they are unaware that they are actually fearful of loss, uh, loss of reputation, loss of friendships, loss of status. But above the line, they see change as great, progressive, I'm supportive, let's go with it. But, um, but perhaps at the same time, they're dragging their heels. So there's, this still takes into account what Joan and I have been talking about, um, looking at you know, the above the line elements, but also the basic assumptions that are under the surface when we talk about moving forward into the future and you know, adapting and, and being resilient um, because we do have a lot of uncertainty. Let's face it, the future is gonna be very different already we see signs of it, the hybridity of, uh, of workplaces, um, not only in geographical terms, but in terms of skill sets, right? I think more and more people are saying things that are um, needing collaboration, true collaboration will need to be face-to-face, -face, but the rest can be done from home. I mean, that's a huge change. Um, and so we are having to think very quickly about what leaders have to learn in terms of different modes. Um, you know, we are used to a leader as a conductor, for example, you know, someone who's 
uh, you know, kind of ensuring that plans are, and decisions and information and accomplishments are shared and coordinated. But perhaps we also need um, leaders that are champions, um, brokers who are working in the, in the interfaces of different groups and making sure that there is that uh, connection between um, disparate groups. So yes, the future is exciting and chaotic and, and uncertain for sure. <laughs> I want to pick up one of your um, points, which is sort of leaders in the role of connectors. And um, I think that often when we think about future leadership, you know, leaders think that they have to um, think about the future, have the vision, you know, set the strategy and, you know, take people on the journey. I mean, you know, that. It's an old narrative. We've heard it in the system for years, right? Actually, if we reframe the role of leader um, for future, I would say that we want to think about leaders as not necessarily always having the answer, setting the vision, taking people on the journey, but rather that we think about leaders as connectors and designers of the adjacent possibilities mm -hmm. because we are so used to kind of having these horizon big goals that we have to kind of pull the system towards versus actually I have no idea what that's going to be in a messy complex world that is so um, disruptive. What I can help the system do is nudge itself and adapt itself into new ways of being and into adjacent possibility. And my role as a leader for future um, and to be a future-oriented leader is actually not that big goal and the hairy goal on the horizon, um, but it's actually the adjacent possibility of how could we work as a system in the context and in relationship to our environment um, which nudges us slowly necessarily into the next place. And so I can be a designer of repatterning and resetting how we work as a system, how we see ourselves as a subsystem in a wider whole and create containers in organizations or in other contexts where that kind of emergence can appear. Um, mm. from within the system. And so the role of leader for the future is to create containers for emergence um, mm. in more explicit ways, right? Emergence will happen implicitly if you leave it, but actually how do we create space for creating new patterning to kind of be able to emerge from the system and create spaces in the organization, if I think about it in organizational context, um, for how the system can start to build more and more coherence or repattern itself as Aurora talks about, you know, into the next possibility. I think that's a big reframe that we need to bring into the leadership sphere um, uh, when we think about future, that future is adjacent. It's not um, the big future stuff. And I think if we think about that as the kind of possibility, then that actually paradoxically will set us up for the future because we don't think about the future as something that's, you know, in the past, but future actually sits right next to us. It sits mm. now. Mm. Um, and I think that's an important reconstruct of what we mean by future leadership. Um, Thanks, Joan. And I want to um, wrap up here because I know we're running out of time. And what I'd like to do is just have you both share final thoughts uh, from this discussion. And if I start with Aurora. Yes. Yeah, so just my final response to that is that, yes, the, the future leader is 
um, you know, leadership um, more so is going to be very dynamic and contextual. And so I see leaders to be more multimodal. Um, and as I've said earlier, you know, have a, a more diverse repertoire of experiences, skill sets, and mindsets. For example, the ability to develop negative capability and resilience to be able to cope with that uncertainty, and also to be able to develop emotional granularity. And that's really knowing a more varied and expansive vocabulary of emotional experiences. So we can go out there and deal with, with difficulties. Um, and so um, my final thought is really around still my idea of empathy and compassion mm -hmm. in leadership. Thanks, Aurora. And Joan? Mm. Yes, I love that, empathy and compassion. And I think if I connect with that, Aurora, what I would say is, um, you know, have a deep sense of self and how you are bringing your full self, uh, your full humanity to humanity and have a deep sense of self in role in system and how you are not, not of the system ever and always to be kind of on the balcony in a meta position to self. Um, so there's this internal knowing and sensing, but there's also this kind of meta knowing and almost seeing yourself always in system from a balcony view. And that, you know, almost this quantum idea of leadership that you can be in the system and see self in system and be in two places simultaneously mm -hmm. that kind of, it sets you up for this more complex understanding of self in bigger holes. And I think, you know, if you were to join that with empathy and care, um, we would be growing much more um, viable system leadership models for, for our leaders to live, live within. Yeah. Thank you, Joan. And the most difficult question of the day, what is one word you would like to leave uh, future intelligent leaders? Aurora. Granularity. Great. Joan. Hmm, one word. Oh, that's very tricky. Um, growing edge. Growing edge. It's two words. Great. Well, thank you, Aurora and Joan, for joining me today on this episode. I really appreciate, appreciate your time, your insights, your wisdom. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today on the Flowcast. To get a summary of today's dialogue, find out more about today's guests, listen to previous episodes, or discover more about Haku Global's neuroscience-based futures intelligent leadership programs or customized strategic foresight and innovation sprints, visit us at www.haku.global. At Haku Global, we believe it is time for more futures intelligent leadership. The future is something we need to think more intelligently and feel more deeply about so we can collaborate to discover today's solutions for future problems. If you are in a leadership role and need support or training to scale futures intelligence across your organization, then contact us at Haku Global. This is your host, Tyler Mongan, and until next time, have a preferred and conscious future. Aloha.